today on Foodstuffs. Brian heads to North York to speak to the owner of a cafe who is using his experience from 28 years ago to help a group of new Canadians adjust to life in Canada. And then Jess catches up with the general manager of an iconic Toronto store that has handed out over 40,000 turkeys in those same 28 years. I'm Jack Boyajian from Beirut Iran Cafe. You're listening to Foodstuff. Excellent. We're happy uh, and in a good mood. A lot of them, sure, they're going to miss it, and they told us they'll miss it, and, and we'll miss them too. And So, Jess, here we are at the end of season one of Foodstuffs. I can't believe it. Um, what have you been the takeaways that you've been thinking a lot about since we started this, the whole thing? Well, there's a few things that kept coming up, and it was amazing how there were a few interviews where there would be something that we learned or a theme that came up mm-hmm. that just seemed to kept keep coming up, either in things that we were doing in our lives mm-hmm. or things that we were talking about on the show. And right from the, the top the interview with Connie Sang. Yeah. And there were a couple of themes. Authenticity was one that stuck out right away. And yeah. that just kept coming up and coming up. Um, so that was one that stuck out. The Megan Telpner interview was another one. Yeah, that, that one lot, actually. And, not, and I would have thought that would have been, the connection would have been about eating healthy and being healthy. But really what it seemed to be about was choices. Yeah. And how you're you're treating yourself and how you're listening to your, yourself. Exactly. And taking the knowledge um, that your body is giving you and and being responsible, really. So it's been a lot of learning mm-hmm. and uh, I've had a lot of fun. I know. Have you? You're all right. <laughs> hey, Brian, you're all right. All right. <laughs> um, it has been a lot of fun and I am really excited for what's coming up next. I think that um, we have some exciting ideas. We'll see. We're not going to divulge them now, but I'm excited to see where we get in season two and and who comes on board with us. So stay with us. Keep keep listening. And and thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. But we still have one more episode to get through right, before okay. we're right. talking like Sorry. we're done. And we've only just begun our whole episode 10. One whole other episode. All right, let's get to it. Up first, we head north of the city to learn how food is helping Syrian immigrants find their footing in their strange new home. Yes, the Beiruti Grand Cafe is nestled in the middle of an expansive corporate office park in North York, and it's actually right around the corner from where my first job was. Get out. Yeah. I, so I'm assuming you got to eat something yes. then? Oh, what man. What was it? So much, so Indulge much good me. stuff. Yes. So they have sort of a combination of French and Lebanese food there, so I had a nice lamb pita. Lovely. Uh, and some really delicious Arabic ice cream that has something called a mystica in it, which is the same ingredient that's in gum. What What do you mean? I, I don't know. It sort of has this <laughs> chewy texture. I'm assuming feel. it's texture related. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a texture and the taste makes it just really different. It's so unique. I. What was the flavor? Um, the flavor had... Like in the vanilla zone or fruity Yeah, it was zone? a little... It was sort of vanilla-like, but without m- almost all of the sweetness. Okay, fine. And just tasted so uh, so different, so unique. Try it if, if you if you get the chance. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, but anyway, we're not here to talk about the food in this place. <laughs> That's not what's significant, although it was very good. Uh, we're here to talk to b- about the people. Right, so let's hear more about the people. Beirut Grand Cafe owner Jack Boyajin has brought on to bring these delicacies to North York. Part of them 
part of them are the professionals that I have. I had to choose between the French uh, uh, executive chef to the German uh, pastry chef, uh, and few, few, few guys. Uh, we brought them from uh, George Brown School. Besides that. Uh, most of the people who are working in the kitchen are newcomers from Syria. They are, all of them are immigrants, most of them, uh, 70% are, are immigrants. I had at one point, uh, over a month and a half ago, I had over 30 of them. Some of them, they never worked in that country. Right. Uh, so some of these people are brand, brand new. We're talking they about are the brand people new. that are coming because, right uh, over because uh, of the turmoil. That's what, what happened, Brian, those people, uh, there were very wealthy people in their country. Most of the people who escaped, who we are sponsoring them to bring them over, they were very wealthy in their, in their country, in Aleppo, in Syria, and uh, they lost everything. They left everything behind. They, they went to, uh, to Beirut, and they, they, they were waiting for someone to sponsor them right. to, to, to go. And uh, they were convinced that Canada is the best place it's their best insurance to to go back to life, right. and, uh, and 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 they, 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 they do see that because uh, however they go, wherever they turn, they, they they see that there's a help from the government, there's a help from the people around them, showing them where to go, what to do, how to find uh, uh, their needs. And from people like you too are giving them employment right here in a big brand time, new country. Big time, so big time. I'm not the only one. No, I, uh, most of, most of my friends who, are, who have factories. Uh, I'm probably the only only one who, who in, in the food business who has a right. restaurant and a bakery. Yes, but uh, yeah, this is what we're doing. We're, we're we're trying to accommodate them for short term or long term. Doesn't and this matter. is something that is important to you because. You've lived this to an extent. I've been through it back in '88 when I left everything behind in Beirut. It wasn't easy at all. I left everything because of the war, and lots of people left Beirut back then because of the war. So I lived this period, and it's, it's, it was very hard. You can't forget. You can't go back. You can't get back what you lost, and uh, you had to start again from zero. You, you, you had to start from point zero to do everything from again after a certain age. But uh, I was fortunate that Canada was a great country. Uh, there is lots of uh, different uh, ethnic people who live here in Canada. Uh, lots of people, Canadians, they were, uh, uh, they were welcoming the new foods that I was uh, preparing as an ethnic Lebanese food. Nobody knew what we're doing. Of course. Of course, my, 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 my people, the ethnic people, uh, was uh, like, let's put it like this, my, my, my store was getting busy with my ethnic people, but it was showing busy from outside, so Canadians were coming to see what's, right. what's going on here, and, and they got used to the, to the product that we're using. What do you remember about Canada when you first arrived? I'm wondering about like literally the first few days or first few weeks when you arrived here from, from Lebanon? Snow, cold. I said to myself, is this the right place to restart <laughs> my life? But uh, after a while, uh, when I start doing some study, what do we need here? We have a lack of what? Uh, people, they had the money, but uh, they didn't have the choices 
of different foods, different clothes, different, uh, different everything, different pastries. And did you have, uh, was there someone uh, uh, sponsoring you or how did, what was, did you have someone helping you when you, when you first arrived here? Uh, I, my, my, two, my two aunts, they lived here in Canada. Okay. They, came, they came to Canada. Uh, one of them came because, because of the war back in 75. Okay. I left in 88. I stayed a few years after the war started because the war started in, 80, in 75. And we still have problems in, in Lebanon. The war did end, but it's still, uh, it's still in, 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 in troubles. Always we have something going on in Beirut. So it's not a place that we would go. I love to go back and live there. But I think here the future is much brighter than anywhere else in the world. And what are you, if anything, are you able to sort of pass on to um, Syrians that have come here and that are working here? Obviously, you're giving them employment, which is huge, but are you able to pass on any advice course, or lessons Of course, that my knowledge, my experience. I'm telling everyone, uh, everyone who tells me, is this what they're going to do? This is what they're thinking. I'm always telling them, I did something like this, didn't go well, try this. I tried this, it was better than trying that. I always give them advices, and uh, every week, two, three times at night, I do call people here, the new Syrian people, I invite them for a small bite or something, and I bring some other friends with me. So whatever questions they have, we give them the right answer. Of course, I'm passing all my experience to them. I have to. It's, it's, they're my people. They're, they're from Syria, from Lebanon, so they're from the Middle East, like me. But plus, it doesn't matter they're from the Middle East or from anywhere else. Uh, uh, when uh, when, when, when you suffer a lot, at the beginning, when you start and you suffer a lot, uh, I, I remember I used to work, I, when I started the bakery, with my baker, I used to start at three o'clock in the morning because the demand was too, right. too, 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 too big. We used to close the bakery at night at 10 o'clock and go back next day, three o'clock to work. So I did suffer a lot. I started doing money, but it wasn't, it wasn't only the money. Money is not everything here. Uh, you had to keep up with, uh, with the quality of the product, you had to keep up with uh, training always new people uh, to have the right service because my country was built on service and we had lack of servicing people here. So that was my biggest issue to keep training people, which we're doing now here at the cafe. And show sort of the Canadian or North American way of... Uh, completely service. different services. So, um, how do you feel that you've been here almost 30 years? Um, how much of, of, of Lebanon and Beirut do you still hold on to? And how much have you let go and uh, really allowed yourself to be a Canadian? I have Lebanon in my heart always. I can't forget. I can't let nothing go. Oh, it's, 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 not, it's very hard to, to say I, I let go. Even if someone does, I don't know, I, I don't think that's smart to say let go because you lived there, you, you were born there. Huh? But uh, Canada was my insurance to restart. So uh, this, is what I, this is where I live now, this is where I work, this is where, where I, made my, I, I, I make my living, this is where my kids are growing. So this is now everything for me. Of course, I have Lebanon in my heart, but this is this is a place that uh, that's important now. It's 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 where it's where you work. It's where you uh, uh, it's where you live. 
I go I go to Lebanon as a tourist. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so you do you have gone back and it's do you still have family in, no, in Lebanon? No, 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 no. I so do, is this is now home? Would you if you someone? This is my home. This is your home. Yes, this is my home. And anyone, anyone who tells you something different, uh, it's it's not a very smart uh, uh, response because this is this where we're where we're making our living. We're sick. We go to a hospital here. We don't go to bear to to a hospital. We see we see doctors here. We see uh, lawyers here. Everybody, every everything we need is here around us. Mm -hmm. So this 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 is our home, of course. I want to go back. You, you, I know you. You mentioned briefly that um, some of the people that work here may only work here for a short period of time, right? And I know that food service in general is a place where uh, it's a good sort of transient place for people that are traveling or people that are just arriving. What What is it about the food service in industry that works so well with? Um, new immigrants or, or transient oh, people? The food, the food service is very, very wide. Like at the back, we have a big kitchen and we have a big bakery. Where is the bakery? Like uh, like, one, like one of the women, all she does, she does fill up the, the machine with flour, where the flour dust, uh, it's, it's dust that goes on, 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 onto the bread, onto the, the dough. Uh, another one does only filling up the bags with, with the product. Like uh, so, even if it, you have limited skill. Yes, or yes, it's it's very wide because we have, we have yes be because we have big operation here. There is lots of things that you don't need skilled people. That's why that's that's an advantage that's right. helping me to accommodate these people. Exactly, because that would be another question. Is a lot of employers would look at that and say, "Why would I only hire someone for a short period of time? I got to train new people. No, not I everyone hire can do. People. Not everyone. Some so factories with yes." Yes, I'm lucky that I have lots of uh, areas where, where people can fit for a short time. So this is something that you're doing to, uh, I mean, like you say, you have a great opportunity here um, because you have room for skilled people and non-skilled people. Yes. You have a, a past experiences that have given you an empathy and a perspective to realize, hey, this is important to me. This is how I want to help. For other people, for other business owners, for other just citizens of, of Canada, how can how can people help uh, new immigrants feel welcome and get started in a, in a strange country? The timing now, what's happening? We have a big lack of a labor force, so somehow these newcomers are lucky that uh, there's demand of. All kind of uh, of works, all kind of uh, professions. But yes, I say to all Canadians, uh, these people are very hard-working people. They are very highly educated. They do learn very fast. So please give them a chance, because the same way, the same way Canada was built by by most immigrants. Canada 150 years ago, 100 years ago, 120 years ago, 50 years ago, 30 years ago. It was uh, it was mostly mostly the immigrants who were uh, the newcomers all all these times and uh, coming with new ideas, new uh, new cultures, building uh, new businesses, new buildings, new schools, different new churches, complete different. Uh, uh, culture and these people are very nice people very 
they're very nice people to deal with. That was Brian in conversation with Jack Boyajan, owner of the Beiruti Grand Cafe in North York, Toronto. So if you've been with us since episode one, you may remember an interview that we did with my friend Connie Sang, who is a photographer and uh, Chinese-Canadian. Connie's family came to uh, Canada and really how they got their foot in the door was through the food service industry. Exactly. And so it's sort of interesting to hear that story happening now and how the food industry is still sort of a place for people to get started. I mean, you don't need specialized skill. You don't need accreditation. Mm-hmm. You don't even Everyone cooks. Need, yeah, you, you know. don't even necessarily need language. There's mm-hmm. a place for you somewhere. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that that many decades later is still a place for people to kind of get their get their footing. Who knows? Their kids in 30 to 40 years might be reflecting back and um, thankful for the fact that, well, firstly, that Jack Boyajin was there and um, and that their parents kind of made it happen. So that's sort of the start of a new story uh, of a group of Syrian Canadians. And now we want to talk about the end of a different story. Mm-hmm. So Anaseds has been a Toronto staple at Bathurst and Bloor for about 67 years. Well, not what specifically 67 years. And you would probably know this better than I do, actually, Brian. Sure. I remember um, after the Jays won the World Series in 93, coming in Toronto and having my friend's dad driving us past uh, Sam the Record Man and Honest Ed's. And really, as a kid that grew up outside of the city, when you come into the city, that's what sticks to you, is these sort of like larger-than-life landmarks like Honest Ed's. And if you haven't been to Toronto it is a larger than life yeah. landmark. It's massive. It's got. It reminds me of Nashville, like those rolling kind of country style lights, um, and it's impossible to miss. And I actually, I don't know if it's real or not. I have a memory of coming on my grade nine trip into Toronto, and I feel like they must have detoured the bus so that we entered the city that way because I remember those signs also. Um, and it is sort of a gateway into the city, mm-hmm. but. All this to say, Honest Ed is a real man, um, a man by the name of Ed Mervish, uh, who is also known for owning the Princess of Wales and Royal Alexandra Theatres in Toronto um, in the Theatre District. He has always struck me as almost a combination of a businessman, of course, and a game show host like Bob Barker, you know? Like, I just have this larger-than-life image, even though I think he had passed away by the time I moved to the city, so... Yeah, well, he always did have sort of that feel of of that sort of throwback um, kind of showman, mm-hmm. really. These these guys, like Ed Mervish, knew how to promote their businesses and, and get a lot of attention, and that exactly. was something that he was really good at. But that's only part of the reason we're talking about Mr. Mervish today. Exactly. We do have to tie in food, after all. So who did you speak to this week? I made my way to Bathurst and Bloor on Monday to hunt down a man by the name of Russell Lazar. He's been the general manager of Honest Ed's for quite some time now, and I wanted to hear about the origins of one of their most well-attended annual traditions. So without going any further, let's hear from him. Here's Jess in conversation with Russell Lazar. As I say, we've always given away uh, door crashers before, mm-hmm. but I think we just talked about something uh, in one of our meetings about what's a good holiday tradition, and we talked, Turkeys came up, he liked, loved the idea, and he said we should do it, and later on we added fruitcakes, and it was as simple as that. For those who didn't grow up in Toronto, tell me a bit about Mr. Mervish. Well, Honest Ed is a unique shopping place. Uh, it's one of a kind in the world, and he started this 67 years ago. 
He was down this in this area seven, for the past 75 years, but honest as has been 67 years in business. And as they say, it's a one-of-a-kind store in the world. The store itself is one-of-a-kind, but from what I gather, Mr. Mervish was also one-of-a-kind. He was one-of-a-kind. He was a unique, good man, a good humanitarian, um, had a love affair with the public, and the public certainly had a love affair with him for all the years. Uh, yeah, he was a, a lovely, lovely man, and people, people just enjoyed um, shopping here and being associated with Ed Mervish, so it was, it was a nice uh, affair all the time. Absolutely, and you say he was a humanitarian. How does that fold into the door crashers or the space itself? Well, I think you recognize that um, uh, how to give back to the community, how to recognize the needs of people, and he was very, uh, very, very, very charitable in whatever he did, uh, and um, people recognize that. Absolutely. Um, so, do you think there was something going on in 1987? Because I, I, when I look back at that time, that was kind of, do they know it's Christmas? And there was a kind of a humanitarian thing around the world, or did it just fold into no, what did, he had already been doing? It just doing? folds into, uh, um, it's, it's really started off as a promotion for Honest Eds, basically to bring people in, but then it changed to, um, didn't stay, it just changed to what the people, people needed. People needed a turkey, a lot of people say, if we don't give turkeys away, they wouldn't have a turkey at the holiday time. So who who is making up the customer base, or what do you even call them? Like I, I think people who a lot of people who come who just cannot afford a turkey in mm -hmm. today's times, and mm -hmm. they say they wouldn't have a turkey if we didn't give it. And then there's the other people who are happy to be part of an event, and. Uh, um, and just enjoy coming and being part of that. So a lot of repeat um, attendees, or is there a big variation? There's a variation. A lot of people come back, and a lot of people. It's a tradition to a lot of people also yeah. to be here every year. So which get, is nice to see. Right, because everyone comes lines up early, and and yeah. there's a community. Yeah. And yeah, the first man yesterday when he's lined up for the turkeys. He was here almost 24 hours. Really? And he just felt that it was. It's a great. Thing to be part of this tradition. He's been here for a few other years, so amazing. Yeah, and, uh, and can you think of any of the kind of most heartwarming or touching s stories of the past 27, 28 years that you've seen? Well, I think just being part of the giveaway. It's so such a privilege for the staff uh, to be uh, part of this giveaway. It's a joyous occasion. Um, uh, people are uh, see the smiling faces. Um, uh, Asian and black and brown and different ethnic backgrounds and speaking their mother tongue and it's, it's wonderful and uh, it's as they say it's just a privilege to be part of it for all of us. For sure so if you were to guess it's probably not even all Christians who are engaging in like the Christmas tradition. Oh, I don't, of, I don't of think so no I think it's all different cultures and all different ethnic backgrounds and and uh, I mean I don't know we don't we don't ask them but uh, no there's Whoever they are, come out for a turkey. We're, um, we're, we're we're pleased to see them. For sure, and it's almost like a Canadian yeah. tradition at that point. Well, it's a tradition that we have here. Certainly, I don't know what the what they call it, but I know they show up and and they're happy to be part of it. Whether it's for coming to Honest Dead's or, for sure. as they say, because they uh, save some of the money and and uh, and it's gratifying to know there's a lot of people tell us that. If we didn't do turkeys, they wouldn't have a turkey this time of year. Right. 
Um, and so what were you hearing yesterday as far as it being the last time in this particular space? And if you can just describe kind of for those who haven't been, had the luxury of being in Honest Ed's yeah. and kind of what this space means to the city of Toronto. Well, I think it's, yeah, it's, as they say, it's a one-of-a-kind space. It's related to Honest Ed Mervish himself, and you know, they go hand-in-hand hand when you think of Honest Ed, you think of Ed Mervish. But in the last few years, you know, the David Mervish has owned and operated the place, and he certainly worked. He's never missed the turkey giveaway with his father all the years. So they work together. They come from the same mold, you know, and, yeah. uh, and just a good family, and... The store means a lot to people because so many immigrants or, or people who can't, uh, who, who uh, come work on a budget or, or mm-hmm. everything, they come here for, and we, that's all what we're about is affordable buys and so many people tell us they, they have their pots and pans and clothing that gave them the start to, to life in Toronto or a married life or raising a family. So we hear that all the time and it's gratifying. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, what, how, what was the mood here yesterday, knowing that this is the last time we are going to be doing it in this space, and for both the customers and for the employees, do you think? I think it was a happy mood, yeah. It was a great, uplifting mood. Everybody was happy to be part of it. Uh, I mean, um, uh, we've been doing it so, so many years, and usually it, some of these things uh, don't, don't go on so long, if you think about it, over the years. Uh, We've given probably more than 40,000 turkeys away and 40,000 <laughs> fruitcakes away. So that's incredible. Um, yeah, it's it's people were people were happy uh, and in a good mood. A lot of them, sure, they're going to miss it, and they told us they'll miss it, and and we'll miss them too in that. But but the tradition with the David Mervish and the tradition will carry on. We haven't decided where or what or how, but he does want to put turkeys into the hands of organizations that. Okay. We feed the uh, um, less fortunate. So perhaps a little more collaborative going forward. Or Maybe something. yeah. He just yeah. It'll, we haven't given that where yet. But there's a lot of great organizations that do a lot of great work, and and around this time of year, you get a meal or get a turkey and that, and so um, we'll be there for them. Amazing. Um, anything else that we should know about Ed Mervish or your turkey giveaway or or what to look forward to in the years to come? Well, you know, we, we, we the store is open until the end of 2016. Uh, next year, close at the end of December. Um, so I mean, there'll be many. Yeah, 2016 will be a very exciting and many causes uh, for celebration. Many yeah. causes for celebrations. It'll be a, and uh, sales and celebrations and people look for some of the things we have like sign sales and posters and pictures and. Uh, remembrances and we've got uh, we've got things made up uh, watches and that to sell as thanks for the memories and so it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a, somebody described and how appropriate they said this is I mean we announced it'll be three and a half years since we announced that we're leaving okay. it's probably the longest goodbye in retail history <laughs> Yeah, your your employees and you and the community at large, I think, is probably pretty fortunate. It's not not yeah, a quick it's not, yeah yeah some places you, some places you go to and you read about it in the paper. They, not mentioning any names, but they go there on a Saturday and the doors are locked. Right, they're two and they're gone in a month. A big, huge chain in the states. I mean, they came to Canada. They're gone in no time, and everybody was shut out. So. I think who we know who yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so I, I think um, we're all pretty fortunate uh, 
the the staff and the customers that we, we wanted them to have a, 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 as long as we could stay here. And it's nice to be able to close when you want to, not when you have to. Mm-hmm. And can you just um, explain the plans for the space uh, that where Honest Ed's is currently? Well, it's going to be a big development of uh, retail space and condominiums and uh, restaurants. And uh, I mean, David Mervish is just thrilled, as we all are, that the developers that he chose to, to go into this area it just couldn't be better because they're they're going to pay tribute to his father and 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 the name is going the Mervish name will be there and they're giving a lot back to this community and the name and the family than we ever expected so it's wonderful that's exciting or heartwarming I guess it is heartwarming. Um, and any plans for your honest Ed sign not that we know of yet it's gonna it's in the hands of the developers but I'm sure they're they're they recognize that. Uh, um, it's pretty iconic. Yeah, well, they know that, and I think they have some ideas, and I guess that'll all come out in due time. Yeah, they're wonderful, um, conscientious developers. We're really pleased that they're the ones going to develop the area. Amazing. That's so good to hear. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Russell, and uh, good luck with the coming year, and we'll, yeah. we'll uh, be in touch and, and uh, keep an eye out for all the celebrations. Well, thank you very much. Cheers. So that was Jess speaking with Honest Ed's general manager, Russell Lazar. So that was interesting. One thing that always sticks out to me is Toronto, this idea that Toronto is dying, that Toronto's history is evaporating, and nobody seems to care. And there are a lot of people that care, but obviously it's happening, so not enough people care. And here's somebody who is part of a Toronto institution, and he's been there forever, Mm -hmm. and has so many memories, I'm sure. Yeah. And here he is at the end of he's, Honest Ed's. He's he's in the final year, and he doesn't seem very sent- sentimental. He doesn't really seem to be that bothered. Think, he seems to be totally fine with it. I think it's like he said. He's had he and the staff have had a couple of three and a half years total to sure. to yeah. prepare for this. So that could be part of that. But it's also understanding that they've had an amazing run and 67 years is nothing to turn your nose up at. And I, okay, I'm from Halifax and Halifax is kind of the opposite. So there is this huge emphasis on tradition and keeping our heritage homes and um, making sure that we keep our sight lines from Citadel Hill and all these things that really affect development and I get it, and I, I think it's really important. But all of this to say, it can sway too far the other side. I haven't always sure. felt this way. I'm a product of Nova Scotia. But kind of in my last years in that city, I, I was getting frustrated because we need to continue. We need to – history is not static. We need to be building history all of the time, and we need to kind of mark time differently. It does, things aren't – I don't know. You don't want to see the same architecture everywhere you look. You don't want to see mm-hmm. all these things. And here's a man who is, he tells me he's happy about the development that's going to go in there. I believe him. So it's just, it's, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm watching it and I'm hoping, if anything, what I loved in that story the most, I think, was him kind of reflecting 
the stories they get to hear about people saying, this is the place I came and bought my first pots and pans when I moved to the city and it helped me get set up. And I will hope that there's something that fills that role for people downtown, um, not at a big box store on the outskirts of town, um, going forward, because that's super important. And that's actually who we're talking about in the first story as well as the people that are adjusting and and looking around. We've done it again, Jess. We've connected two stories that we didn't think were connected at all. What is happening here? What has happened this whole year? I know, we tried really, really hard to put stories that didn't look the same together and... Every single time we find that they're more similar than we thought. The connective fabric of Mm, food. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's nice. So, Brian, we've reached the end of season one of Foodstuffs. Yeah. And we should say some thank yous. Yes, we always have to do our thank yous. So... Thanks very much this episode to Jack Boyajan, the owner of Beruti Grand Cafe. And thanks so much to Russell Lazar of Honest Ed's. Of course, thanks as always, not just for this episode, but this entire season to Eric Betlam, Sam Petit, and Ken Stauer from CIUT for being such gracious hosts. We're so appreciative. We've had a free studio to work out of. Which is huge. This entire season. Um, so that's been fantastic. Thanks so much, guys. And thanks so much to you for listening and for sharing and for caring caring that's nice too yep if you're wondering what to get me for christmas okay i want all the pictures of you eating uh particularly if they're old family photos when you go home for christmas you can pull out your old albums me specifically yes well you know you have to get me that okay um but that goes for anyone so anyone and everyone anyone and everyone please uh send them our way it means a lot to us you can do that by finding us on twitter or instagram at foodstuffs life or by searching foodstuffs on facebook um there's a way for you to message us that on there um it would mean a lot to me i always love seeing baby photos in particular but i would also love to see what you're cooking up for christmas have a safe fun delicious uh christmas holiday new year's and yeah men beyond yeah we will speak to you in the new year in the new year yeah we're gonna take a little break keep an eye out on social media and we will um let you know when we'll be back i'm brian goldman i'm jessica walker thanks for listening to foodstuffs